0: If you got your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 43. We've been going through the book, the Bible, book by book, looking at these incredible things in God's word. You know, one of the things when you read the entirety of God's word, you're going to get a good balanced understanding of God's divine plan. You know, it is interesting, the Egyptian culture was so segregated and so prejudiced against anybody else that the Egyptians would not only eat with somebody, they wouldn't eat with somebody of another race or nation because Egyptians believed that they were descendants of the gods and everybody else was a descendant of something else. And so you don't eat with low lowlifes. And we find that even carried over in where we remember they even came to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, why do you eat with the publicans and the sinners? Well, Jesus said, it's the sick ones who need the doctor. Well, the point is, is that there was high segregation between the Egyptians and everybody else. And there's a reason for that. And God has an amazing plan. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, open our eyes to the truth of things in your world, things concerning our world. And Lord, that truly we could say that we thank you for all things, for this is your will concerning us. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would anoint these words in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, you have to realize something. If you're a believer, nothing happens to you by accident. Oftentimes we misinterpret the hand of God as God does not love us when in fact he's preparing us for something much greater and much more awesome in the whole plan of God. We remember that this famine came upon the land of Egypt and the known world. Now we have to remember that it was predicted... By a dream that Pharaoh had. He didn't know what he dreamed. He just saw f- seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And the fat cows ate up the skinny cows. And the skinny cows were still skinny. That was pretty weird. And it bothered him. And he asked all of his Egyptians, soothsayers and magicians and, and all those, what does it mean? Nobody knew what it meant. There was a guy alongside of him, the butler that the butler was put in prison along with the baker. Evidently, something was weird with the food or something. Pharaoh didn't know who it was, who the good guy was, who the bad guy was, so he put them both in prison. And there they met a young Hebrew boy named Joseph. Joseph ended up in prison because his brothers sold him into slavery because they were jealous of his father's favor towards him. In other words, Joseph was really blessed and his brothers were jealous. There's a real bad spirit about jealousy in the world. And these brothers had it really bad. So they were going to kill him. And Judah said, well, instead of killing him, let's just sell him into slavery. And it just so happened, there was a just so happened, just so happened, by divine providence of God, a group of Midianites were traveling along on their way down to Egypt, and they sold their brother for 20 pieces of silver. Joseph ends down on the auction block in a swap meet in Cairo, I guess. Potiphar bids for him, wins him, brings him home. The Bible says he was a good-looking guy. Potiphar's wife makes a move on him many, many times. And finally, she decides to just rape him. So she grabs his outer coat, rips it off. He's scared, runs out of the, out of the palace. She then gets scared. She sh- yells rape. Joseph finds himself in prison. All along, the Bible says Joseph honored God. In fact, the Bible says, and God was with Joseph. Well, if God was with Joseph, why did his brothers do what they did to him? Why did the Midianites happen to be coming along right when they did? How is it that he ended up being sold as a slave and then ends up in prison for something he never did? And God was with Joseph. You think you got things to complain about everybody? Well, you stop to look at it. God's got a plan. Now, the reason why I think God works this way is to show us how big he is. Now, we would never learn the lessons that would be necessary for the next level if we didn't go through the things that God allows us to go through. It's part of our training. And I I look at some of the training that a lot of these doctors go through in order to get their, their medical degrees. And they go through the school, but then they have this tedious work of almost donating their time to the hospitals to get educated concerning whatever field they're going into. And it's almost more than a, than a, a student can, can, can handle going through the schooling, going through the work necessary, the required work, all these things to eventually become a doctor. Well, you know, you got something much more important going on with you. You are spiritual doctors in a world that doesn't know God. And God allows you and me to go through things we don't understand, but we have to trust him when we give our life to Christ. It isn't ask Jesus into your life and get it all your way. That's a false doctrine that's being taught in the, in the, in the church today. It is not true. We come to Christ just as I am. And the Bible tells us, we say to the Lord, okay, not my will, but yours be done. And God then begins to unfold this wonderful plan in doing things. And what is so amazing is as he does these things, he touches so many other lives that would normally never be touched. Now, we remember he interpreted Joseph the butler's dream and said, in three days, you're going to be restored back to Pharaoh's side. The baker, feeling very confident in hearing that, he said, well, I had a dream too, and this is what I dreamed. It was some bread on my head and a hat and all the things, and some birds came. And he goes, oh, huh? you're going to get hung three days from now. Not good, but it was exactly as he said. Joseph could interpret dreams. And so we remember the butler said to Pharaoh, there's a guy in your prison that can interpret dreams. He did one for me. It was really right on. So he brought him up and he went from prison to prime minister in a day. The famine became great in the land. And finally, the children of Israel, uh, of Jacob, ran out of food. And so he sent them down to Egypt to buy some food. Some strange things happened. Joseph recognized his straggly brothers when they all came in begging for food. And so he started playing mind games with them a little bit. He put all their money back in their sacks as they were on their way. And so when they got back home, they opened their sacks of grain and their money was in it. Well, that's weird. But Joseph said, you don't come back here unless you bring your youngest brother with you. Now, of course, he had all the Egyptian garb on. They didn't recognize him. He spoke to them through an interpreter in Egyptian so they didn't know that as they were all talking one to another about all these things going on, and they were worried. They say, these things have come upon us. And, and, and because we sold our brother Joseph into slavery, and they were all chattering. But Joseph was understanding every word that they were saying because he spoke Hebrew too. Well, they brought their grain back, and they started getting low on food. And this is where we come in, chapter 43. Now, the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass that when they had eaten up the grain which they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little food. Now, you know, I got to tell you real quickly, you, you can probably believe that Joseph, again being prime minister over Egypt, recognizing his brothers And holding one of them as they were brought back, holding one of them saying, I'm not going to let you go until you bring your youngest brother back to me, which was really his full brother. Out of all the 12 brothers, only Benjamin was Joseph's full brother. All the others were half brothers. And that's why I believe he wanted to see him so badly. And so we remember remember that, one of the brothers and we don't understand why Simeon ended up in in the one that was picked to be the collateral put in jail till Benjamin would come back but Joseph said I don't want to see any of you guys again unless you bring your younger brother back well I can just see Joseph going I can't wait to see my brother meanwhile Jacob praying that the famine would be over Oh, God, make the famine go away. Make the famine go away. But God had a bigger plan than Joseph's limited understanding of the circumstance. Now, the reason I say this, I want you to put yourself into, let's say right now, for just a minute, Jacob's position. He has his sons. He sends them down to Egypt. They come back and they're missing one. Simeon's not there. Where'd Simeon go? Well, The Pharaoh, the the guy down there said that they're going to hold him until we bring back. And and I can just see Jacob going, what is going on? I'm praying for this famine to get over. It doesn't get over. I keep losing my sons. I lost Joseph to death according to what his brothers told their dad. Now Simeon's gone. and Judah responds in verse 2, excuse me, verse 3. But Judah spoke to him saying, the man solemnly warned us saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Speaking of Benjamin, the youngest, if you send our brother with us, we'll go down and buy food, dad. But if you will not send him, we will not go down for the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel or Jacob said, why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man that you still had another brother? What are you doing? Blabbing too much. Well, what's really amazing. Joseph already knew it. They didn't have to tell him. He knew it because he was their brother. He just had all the garb on. They didn't recognize him. But they said, the man asked us pointedly about ourselves and about our kindred saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to these words, could we possibly have known that he would say, bring your brother down? How would we supposed to know this? I love this about Joseph because they messed with Joseph They represented him being dead. And now Joseph's having a little fun right now. You see, Joseph knows his brothers. He knows what kind of scoundrels they were. They know that they were going going to have to give an account to their father. And so now he begins to play the game saying, you don't come back down here to Egypt and beg for food unless Benjamin is with you. Then Judas said to Israel, his father, send the lad with me and we will arise and go and we may live and not die. Both we, you and our little ones. I myself will be surety for him. From my hand, you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. You know, there's some people that believe that maybe the devil didn't know which of the sons of Israel, which of the sons of Jacob, the Messiah was to come. Some actually believe it may very well have been Judah that, that, or, or uh, Joseph that was going to be the one. And so we find the wrath of the devil being outpoured upon him. And now we find Judah doing an honorable thing, maybe for the first time. Judah's the one that suggested selling him to the Midianites. Judah's the one that had an affair with Tamar um, because uh, Judah would not do what the Bible said he was supposed to do concerning a, a relationship. But now he says, look, I'll, 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 I'll be surety. If, if something happens to Benjamin, then you blame me forever. And so this was an, really an honorable thing that he did. And their father said to Israel, if it must be so, then do this. Take some best fruits of the land, your vessels, and carry down a present for the man. A little balm, a little honey, some spices, some myrrh, some pistachio nuts, and almonds. I like that. They had pistachio nuts then, and that was a good gift. Now, this is what he did, if you remember, to Esau. When he heard when he crossed back over from living with Laban, his father-in-law, all those years, he decides to go back to Canaan. And when he crosses over the river, he hears that his brother's coming with hundreds of soldiers, hundreds of men. And and so Jacob thinks, "I'll, I'll just send a little present. So he starts sending him flocks of sheep. Well, who are these for? Well, these are for my Lord Esau, and he starts trying to buy good favor with us. He's thinking, I'll buy good favor with Pharaoh by doing the same thing. And so it says, take double the money too in your hand and take back the, uh, the, the in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of the sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight and take your brother also, arise and go back to the man. And may the Lord Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. And so the men took the presents and the Benjamin and took double the money in their hand, arose and went down to Egypt and they stood before Joseph. Boy, I'll tell you, you think about all these things and how God does all these things. Friends, again, realize God's bigger than the circumstances in your life. Now you say, well, why did this have to happen in my life? Why did that have to happen? Do you know if those things wouldn't have happened? You know, sometimes I wonder in heaven. Have you ever seen those movies that it's kind of a new thing, but you you watch the movie and then it stops and then you can select different endings of the movie. You push one, and the guy gets the girl in the end. You push the next button, something else happens. And there's always a different ending, depending on which button you push, how the movie ends. I wonder sometimes in heaven, if it wouldn't be that we'll get to see our lives again, and those wish it would have, or the things that I thought were so bad it happened, had they not happened, how my life would have come out. We about that a lot of times, and we attribute so much as a Christian to bad luck. You as a Christian do not have bad luck. Your life is divinely divided and uh, 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 divinely appointed by God. Remember that. It's not by accident the things that happen to you. And this is why when we study the entirety of the Word of God, we can actually counterdict the bad doctrine that is being taught Everywhere, unfortunately, in the world. Just slip Jesus in your pocket. Climb to the top. Uh, I just use my magic faith words. I get whatever I want. And we all become a big bunch of spoiled brats in the kingdom of God. I don't know if you've ever been around kids that have always gotten every single thing they wanted. We can't be around them. They're spoiled. Well, God doesn't do that to his own kids. If there's something that happens to us, it's for a reason And down the road here, all of his brothers now are standing before him again, this time with Benjamin begging for food. And so it's interesting as we see this. Joseph saw Benjamin with them, and he said to the steward of the house, take these men to my home and slaughter an animal and make ready for these men will dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph ordered, and the man brought the men to Joseph's house. Now probably you have to realize that basically his brothers were nomadic. They probably lived in tents. They probably lived very, very nomadic lifestyles. Egypt was a very developed nation, and so no doubt when these brothers were brought into Joseph's house, which was probably a palace, he was second in command of all of Egypt. He had he had the uh, Beverly Hills mansion, and they were brought into this. Now, just in the building alone, you would be intimidated, and I, I've shared this before about being around certain people or certain places, but you can be intimidated by certain people. That's why uh, you'll see sometimes um, uh, people going up to somebody famous in Sun Valley or somewhere else, asking for their autograph, real nervous, like they might say no or something. They're intimidated by that. Well, realize these guys were intimidated into the max. They are first told they're going to go to his house for dinner. And when they get to his house, here is the second in command in Egypt's palace that they walk into. Now the men were afraid, (laughs) I can say so, because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, it is because of the money, which was returned in our sacks the first time, that we are brought in so they may seek an, uh, uh, an occasion against us and fall upon us and take us as slaves with our donkeys. <laughs> they're going to take us as slaves and our donkeys as well. I, I guess donkeys were really a big thing back in those days. They're going to get us and our donkeys. Well, what's amazing is that they're scared. They're scared. And you know, I have found... When you get scared, you have all kinds of weird stuff that goes on in your head. Have you ever noticed that? May, somebody doesn't like you or, or uh, oh, I'm waiting for the phone to ring. Maybe he'll call. Maybe she'll call. I don't know. Will I get that job interview? I don't know. I'll wait here by the phones, see if it'll call. Will they call? I don't know if they'll call. Maybe they didn't like me. They didn't like me at all. Maybe I was ugly that day. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. And all these crazy things go on in our head. The Bible says God has not called us to fear, but a boldness and a sound mind. Friends, remember that. Nothing happens to us by accident. That's one of the greatest things about being a Christian. Yes, it's great. We're going to have heaven in the sweet by and by. I look forward to that. But it's also a great life now knowing that God directs your life. Why is it that the Midianites just happen to be passing by when the rest of the brothers want to kill Joseph and Judah gets an unction, well, why don't we just sell him, make a little money? And that way we don't kill him. Accident? Luck? No. Divine providence. If we people as Christians will realize that we are more divinely instructed your footsteps are more divinely ordained by God than you ever dream it will change the way you live your life as a Christian it isn't that we're just struggling and as we just grope more for the light and and that one day we'll finally be out of this hell hole and we'll be able to be in heaven that's not what God wants the Bible tells us that there is not only a reason that God has prepared a place for us in heaven, but Jesus said the kingdom of God reigns where you are. He said, be careful when someone says, oh, the kingdom of God is here or there. He said, the kingdom comes within you. Why is that? Because where you stand as a Christian, God reigns. I ought to make every one of you dance out of here today. Why is that? Because God divinely directs Your steps. Now, I've got to get to the point where I say, okay, God, it's not bad luck. So I don't want to keep cursing this. I'm going to recognize that it's your hand in my life. And this is what you want for me. Well, Mike, you don't understand. I lost my job this week. Um, Well, God's got a better job for you. Last week, you weren't looking for it. Now you are. God's hand is bigger than the things that have been done to you or others, that have been done to you by others or what we've done. Look at this. They were afraid. All kinds of weird thoughts in their head. Now they're going to make us slaves and they're going to take our donkeys too. And when they drew near to the steward of Joseph's house, they talked with him at the door of the house, saying, Oh, sir, we indeed came down. For the first time to buy food. But it happened. When we came to the encampment. We opened our sacks. And there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Our money in full weight. So we have brought it back uh, in our own hand. And we have brought down other money in our hands to buy food. We do not know who put the money in our sacks. But he said, peace be with you. Do not be afraid your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money and then he brought then he brought Simeon out of them. Yes, it's true. He did have their money and he put it back in their sacks. And so it says And so Simeon is brought out of prison and so the man So so the man brought the men into Joseph's house, gave them water, and they washed their feet and gave them their donkey's feed. And they made the present ready for Joseph coming at noon, for they heard that he would eat bread there. When Joseph came home, they brought him the present which they, they had at their house and bowed themselves before the earth. And he asked them about their well-being and said, is your father well? And the old man whom you spoke, is he alive? And they answered, your servant, our father is in good health. He's alive. And they bowed their heads and they literally laid themselves before him. See, they didn't know again that the old man was also his dad as well. And so he was trying to get news from home how things were going. Then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, is this your younger brother whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. His heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber and wept there. Interesting about Joseph. Had a soft heart. Saw his brother. Probably saw the resemblance in his mom a little bit. and He just gets up and just walks out. Now, I can just see his brothers going, Oh, what did we do wrong? Oh, no. Why is he mad? He he got up and walked out. No, he just went out to cry. I don't know whether Joseph thought about all the things he had gone through to end up in this place. Because we do do know that later on, as we'll read in the next few chapters, that he does reveal to his brother it was for God's purpose. All this had happened. If it had not happened, we had all starved to death. But friends, there's a much, much greater thing than just feeding their faces. There was a problem, if you go back and look at his brother Esau, Jacob's brother. Esau married Hittite pagan women. What was happening to the family of God? What was happening to the Jewish people at that point is they were intermingling marriages and if it was allowed to go on, probably the Jewish race would have just dispersed with all the other pagan uh, practices and, and peoples of the land of Canaan. God has a bigger point, and you'll find this in your life. Usually when God does something, it's not just for one reason, it's for many reasons. Because God is an all-inclusive God. He doesn't just deal with one thing. Oh, their little bellies are hungry. Oh, give them some food. Here's a sack of grain. Bye. No. There was something far greater going on than just feeding them. You see, God is the protector of your life. God was the protector of the Jewish nation. You say, well, why is it important? Because Jesus said again, search the scripture. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are which testify me. Why is that important? Because we have to realize God's got a giant plan and you're part of it. And if we forget that, we will begin to kick against those things that seem to be the most miserable things in our life. And that's the very thing that God says, this is how I'm going to get you where I want you to be. Now notice, he goes out crying and he wept there. Verse 31, then he washed his face and came out and he restrained himself. And said, serve the bread. So they set him a place by himself. Notice, Joseph has a place by himself. Then it says, and them, and them by themselves. So the brothers by themselves. And then notice, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves. You had three groups. You had... Joseph eating alone, you had the brothers eating together, and then you had the Egyptians eating together. This goes back to the segregation. Again, the Egyptians were from God. Everybody else were probably from dogs. We don't know. But even with all of Joseph's clout, notice he ate alone. He wasn't assimilated into the Egyptian culture. Now, why that's important, friends, as we're going to read on, is this. Because the Egyptians would not eat food with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. Hmm. Think about that for a minute. If you just read this fast, you might miss it. But here's what's important. God would eventually move the children of Israel to Egypt because of Joseph. There they would be protected. There they would be fed. And they would multiply into the millions. But they were in a culture that didn't intermingle with them. The Egyptians would eat by themselves. They didn't cross Mary as they did in Canaan. So God physically moved Joseph, his family, down to Egypt into a culture that was prejudiced against them to keep them pure. And you go, wow, God, I thought this was just over sacks of grain and their their stomachs getting full. No, there was a much bigger plan for God and Joseph. And it was to make sure that the Jewish nation didn't intermarry with the pagans And become that of which I believe the devil wanted to do was destroy the Jewish race. Because through the Jews, the Bible says, Messiah was to come. Verse 33. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked astonished at one another. Now, this had to blow their minds. So their places were set up around the table, and they were set up according to their ages. The oldest first, the birthright, and then it went on down around the whole circle till it came to Benjamin. Now, you could sit there, and I'm sure that they were... um, uh, just completely blown away at this. He numbered them in order of their ages. Do you know what the odds are, by the way, to get that right? Uh, To have each one, 11 brothers, all in the right age group. The the odds are like one in 40 million to have that all right in the right direction. Anybody that's ever bought a lotto ticket, you know the odds are against you. Well, he had them all in order all the way around. And he took the servings to them before them. But Benjamin's serving, his real brother, was five times as much as any of theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. This is interesting to me because, again, when... Jacob favored Joseph, gave him the coat of many colors, if you remember, the jealousy of the brothers became rabid, and this is why they wanted to kill him and why they sold him into slavery, but they hated him because of that. But notice now the youngest brother gets five times the portion of food. He was ultra-blessed. And I don't know whether Joseph sat back and said, okay, I'm going to bless my brother here, and I'm going to see how the rest of my brothers react to his super-blessing. I didn't get that much. Hey, how about give me some of what you got there? How come you got so much? No, they didn't do any of that. Notice it says they were merry with him. It evidently appears here that They might have gotten over that. They weren't chiding with one another. Why didn't I get a bigger proportion than Benjamin did? He's the youngest. But no, they all just enjoyed what they had. Friends, there's a great truth in that. Rejoice in the Lord where you're at with what God's given you. If you're not satisfied in the Lord with what you have, you'll never be satisfied for what you get. And this is part of growing in the Lord. This is part of having our eyes open and maturity comes in because then we realize, hey, whatever it is right now that seems to be the most uncomfortable thing in your life, God is going to work a great miracle through it. Who would have ever dreamed eventually as we get in the next couple of chapters when Joseph finally reveals to his brother who he really is? What in the world impossible that God used Joseph to prolong the lives of his brothers and to protect the Jewish race in a culture that was anti-Jewish. Amazing. But that's the way God works. And today you might even say that. I got a lot of issues in my life. I, I want an instant cure. Well, friends, I have found a couple things. First of all, usually if it's instant, it ain't good. When it comes to things, because God works his wonderful plan according to his purposes. And I don't always know what they are. And here's the other thing you have to realize. Nobody else you're talking to does either. This was one of the problems if you go back to the book of Job. Job was going through something not spawned by Job just because he loved God. And Satan says the only reason he loves you is because you gave him all that good stuff. You take that stuff away from him, he'll curse you to your face. And so God says, okay, you can do that. But you can't touch his life. And we remember Satan racked Job into the stratosphere. Job cursed the day he was born, but he never cursed God. But his buddies, Elihu and some of the others, come along and they're giving their advice. Oh, Job, what did you do that was so terrible that these things have come upon you? You need to repent, you scum. While they're all sitting there bloviating at Job, a whirlwind comes along. And God speaks out of the whirlwind and says to Job, To his buddies, if Job doesn't forgive you, I won't forgive you. way it went. And you think about that for a minute. Why? Because no one knows you like God. I know this is hard sometimes because I've had people come to me, marriage counseling, and say, Well, my wife, my husband doesn't understand me. Honey, they never will. They'll understand parts of you, and maybe better than anybody else will, but they'll never really know who you are because that is something only God does. Only God really understands you. And the circumstances in your life are only known by you. And the experiences that you've had in your life, and some of them, friends, I'm not saying aren't ugly. But God will use those for his ultimate plan. God is bigger than the things that people have done to you. And I can just see Joseph sitting there looking at his brothers, thinking about how they'd laugh at him and how they jeered him. Joseph said, I had a dream. I've dreamed that all of your sheaves bowed down to my sheep, And the brothers became outraged. We're never going to bow down to you. And yet the Bible says they laid on the floor before him just as Joseph's dreams said they would. Wow. See, God knows. But see, that's not a popular message today. Because a popular message says you can have it all your way right now, baby. You're number one. I slipped Jesus in my pocket and I climbed to the top. Well, really? Where do you find that in the Bible? Well, it's not. It's made up. You see, God is more concerned about our character than the instant gratification of whatever we look at. God is building into you his ideals. Do you know why? Do you know when you get to heaven, you're not going to get there as a country bumpkin? You say, what? No, you're learning right now. Do you realize the skills, the things that you go through when you get to heaven? God puts us in a perfect place, a perfect body, a perfect everything that the Bible says we're going to be known as we're known, so it isn't like we just get to heaven and go, I don't know who I am. No, you're going to remember everything. And part of what you go through, your faithfulness, God's going to use that as you rule and reign with him. We're in Education 101 right now, letting God be God in our lives. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you got a couple of serious issues. Number one, the things that are happening to you are to destroy you. You say, well, what do you mean? Yeah, you go down and hit the jackpot. Oh, man, look, man, I'm lucky. You know, I'm going to go back next week and do it again. Nope, you lost it all, okay? Over and over again, the things that happen to a person outside of Christ is not good. Even God used a famine, friends, as bad as it was, to accomplish God's will. Now listen, if you're a Christian, God does that. If you're not a Christian, one more day closer to death. That's why, first of all, we have to consider a couple of things. Everybody serves somebody. You're either going to serve Jesus or you're going to serve the devil. Everybody serves somebody. Jesus said, I wish you were for me or against me. Because it's one way or the other. There's no, there's no in between. The second thing is, you don't know what to do with your life. You don't know what to do with those experiences. You don't know what to do with all the things that have happened to you. Because they don't mean anything. And they're not going to mean anything in eternity other than be punished for them. So when we come to Christ, God forgives us. And says, I'm going to lay an axe to the root of your sin following you throughout all of eternity. Remember, our lives we live each day, we set into motion things. We just do. The words we say, where we go, what we do, all these things we put into motion. Now you say, "Well, what do you mean by that? Well, think about somebody that lies to somebody, and then that lie has to be covered by another lie, and another lie, and another lie. And all of a sudden, everything is just, nothing's nothing's true. We put into motion a lie. And that lie can go on and hurt and destroy people's lives long after they throw dirt in your face. I think about the people that started cults. Maybe there was only 25, 30 people when they started. Now there's millions. Think about the, the, the evil dictators that have had millions of people executed. Think about these kinds of things. They start, Everybody's every day you live, you, think, you set things in motion. Well, with God as, as Lord of your life, you're putting things in the motion that are going to be good, that are going to bless, that are going to help people. And the things of your past, those things that would follow you, God lays an ax to the root and cuts it off so it won't paralyze you throughout the rest of your life and gives us an opportunity to fix those things. This morning, if you're not a Christian, First of all, you're, you're in your sins. I can tell you a couple things. Let me tell you a couple things I know about men in the world. Number one, you're not happy. You're not. Because you're trying to define life your way. And no matter how many brass rings you get, no matter how big a car is, no matter how much money you make, it's still not enough. Because that is the evil nature of man's heart. So I know you're not happy. That's the first thing. By the way, if you're a backslidden Christian, I can tell you something else. You're not happy either. You're not happy in Jesus, and you know the world's a lie. So you're really in no man's land. The second thing is you're worried. I believe this is why people that are, in, that are not Christians alter themselves, either by drinking, you know, <laughs> going to pot, whatever it is, uh, altering yourself because you're worried, because eternity's a long time and death is real. The third thing is you're lonely. Because really you don't know if people around you like you for the stuff you have or because they really like you. So you're unhappy, you're worried, you're lonely. No wonder there's the behavior in your life the way it is. Jesus said, come unto me, all you labored, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's good news. In other words, I don't have to stay in the mess I've been in. And the things that the devil intended for my harm, God's going to turn them around and make them really good. Now, how does he do that? I don't know. But that's where God's got, And he's bigger than those things. And you look back now, and I look at my life, I, when I pray about things, and, and, and you pray, and, and, and the whole deal falls through you go, well, gosh, God, I prayed about that, and it all went sour. And God goes, yep, that was a bad deal, and you didn't know it, but I did. And then God brings something else better. You see, trusting him is another thing. So, becoming a Christian, you have people around you that love you, so you're not alone. We're all sinners saved by grace. We all put our pants on the same way. Number two, I'm not worried about dying anymore. No more fear, because I know my name is written in the book of life. I'm going to heaven someday. And number three, I know I have a purpose. I'm not just living life randomly to try to please myself. But I know, God, you've got a purpose for me. If I'll seek to follow you this morning. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask the Lord to come in your life and a pest from death unto life. Again, we see the examples here in God's word. And understanding that because you're a child of God, God will move you where he wants you to be, and that's good. So let's pray. And if you're not right with God today, maybe you're distant from God, or maybe you've never prayed at all, let's pray right now and see what God will do in your life. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, I come to you In Jesus' name, I'm sorry for the foolish way that I have lived. I'm not happy, and I'm lonely, and I'm scared. And so from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, and his blood covered my sins, past, present, and future. So I want to abide in you. I want to live in you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me boldness to love you and to love, God, love my fellow man. And Lord, thank you for writing my name in your book of life. That I can spend eternity with you. And so now I commit my life into your hands. I believe Jesus rose from the dead and his life is now my life. In Jesus' name, amen.